Welcome to Beyond Rent, the property management podcast brought to you by Rent Manager. Each episode, we sit down with an expert to talk industry updates, tech solutions, and top tips for those in the property management space. And now, let's get to the conversation and go Beyond Rent. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond Rent. I'm Joe Easton with Rent Manager, and today we are talking about improving your bottom line through contract management with Andrew Smith of ASM. Andrew, welcome to Beyond Rent. Thanks for having me, Joe. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited for today's conversation because everyone's looking to increase revenue, right? That's just something we do naturally. Most people listening are doing things right now to try to figure that out. However, we know we hit roadblocks or maybe we put a lot of effort in, but we don't get those results. So I want to hear from you what your experience has been like in producing real results, right? Turning effort into meaningful dollars for a business. So I'm excited for today's conversation. But before we get into that, I want to make sure our audience knows who you are. So if you can give us a quick introduction, tell us what you're all about. Well, thanks. Um, And my name is Andrew Smith. I'm with Ancillary Services Management, also known as ASM. Uh, started this business over, a little over 20 years ago. Uh, before that, I was working for property management companies uh, in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, always been focused on ancillary services, negotiating and managing contracts. And I basically have put together a team of people uh, that work with me that um, can help prop owners, managers, and developers find ways to generate and enhance and or enhance the revenue uh, off of the contracts they Peripheral contracts, laundry, telecom, ATMs, rooftop antennas, vending machines, et cetera. So we basically help organize, manage, and track those contracts for our clients and where we find opportunities, help them negotiate uh, contracts and oversee that process of making sure payments come in, they come in on time, They're not the revenue is not getting lost or getting uh, misplaced um, type of thing and seeing, making sure that the payments are accurate. Yeah, And I find this really interesting because from my perspective, I would think, and maybe I'm right, that most companies are probably doing this on their own. So the fact that there's a company out there that's helping people, it actually is a natural fit. It's just not something I knew even existed. So I think this is really exciting to understand your perspective and your expertise. But I have to wonder, like, how do you even get started in something like this? Because again, I would think most companies are just out there trying to figure it out on their own. And like anything, I think in life, uh, some of the best things that you just fall into your lap. <laughs> um, I was working for a large uh, property management company uh, by the name of Charles E. Smith um, and working in a completely different division, um, which was actually their health club division. They worked in areas where they figured instead of renting something out or instead of using a third party, they would create a, a business inside. Um, so, they had window. They had a side company that did washed windows for buildings. They had a side company that did renovations. They had a, an HVAC company. They had, you know, plumbing companies. They had all this, and they would create it for their portfolio because they had did commercial and residential, and then they would use those companies and they would they would then basically sell their products or, or offer their products to other companies in the industry, uh, other property management companies in the industry. So they made money off of their side hustles in essence. Um, and one of those was was health clubs. And I was 
in the health club division, helping accounts payable, accounts receivable, and helping take care of all the customers and the clients that had issues with their accounts. And love to always find ways to generate revenue, love to find ways to organize things, make things easier. And some of my bosses moved into the property management division and they called me up one day and said, hey, you want to come work for us? All you have to do is drive two two more minutes down the road and walk into this door instead of the door you're in and we'll pay you twice as much. Okay. (laughs) And that's how I started. And it kind of grew from there that when I got in, it was you go and ask somebody says, Hey, do you want to, do you want somebody to handle your negotiating and managing all your laundry contracts? You have to ask a property manager or a regional manager, give it to you. Same thing with vending, something with, at the time it was pay phones. Hey, somebody's going to take this off my plate. Go by all means, go for it. And by doing that, I was able to create economies of scale for the portfolio and get better deals and get better terms and conditions and the providers loved it because they were only having to deal with one person instead of dealing with 25, 30 different regional managers or property managers, et cetera, and was able to kind of create a little fiefdom inside the Charles, Charles E. Smith for the property management division. And that's how it started and kind of moved from there on. And one day after about two different companies, I found out that I worked myself out of a out of my own job because the company I was working for at the time said we don't think we're going to be growing anymore. So you're now an expense instead of an instead of a revenue generator. So took my shingle and hung it up, and <laughs> that was over twenty years ago, and I've been doing it ever since. I find that really really interesting uh, how you've evolved. Right. And how you kind of find yourself in this role. And I think a lot of people in, I would say like business roles kind of have similar stories where they maybe didn't set out a certain direction, but over time they gain some expertise, they gain experience and through hard work and probably a lot of passion, a lot of hours have figured out how to like carve out a part of the business for themselves. And property management specifically is really kind of interesting because you even said like there's ways to create like businesses within businesses and, and all of these different things that kind of look like side hustles, but they can be really sizable. And you took all that knowledge and now you're doing it, you know, on your own, you said for, for 20 plus years now. So obviously it's been very, very successful. And I'd imagine you've helped a lot of people over those years. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope, I, I hope, I hope it's still, uh, I'm doing that. I think I am because my clients still appreciate, I believe my clients still appreciate me. They do say it all the time. They do say it quite often. And I think I bring a value that, um, that, that is really important to them. And they know that they have somebody looking over their contracts and making sure they're not making a misstep, um, especially in an industry where I believe the average turnover on a property is what, 35, 40% of the staff is turning over or moving on to other positions. So you constantly have new people in place and do they know who the points of contact are, what contracts that are in place, what they're supposed to be doing. And a lot of times contracts are signed and stuck in a drawer and that information is not disseminated throughout the, throughout the, the management staff. So things get lost, things get overlooked, things all of a sudden, people are signing multiple contracts for the same service or not realizing that there's supposed to be a payment that's supposed to be coming in or that they're, you know, what the invoice, what is the invoice, the actual amount that it should be? Is there, is the provider now starting to tack on new fees, you know, environmental fees, trip charges, whatever. 
if if somebody's not overseeing this on a regular basis, things can go sideways. So, um, yeah. and just working working people out of issues. You know, hey, I accidentally signed two contracts. How do I get out of this? You know, is there a way to help work through this? Because this can take a lot of time. It's and if you have a property manager, regional manager that's focused on twenty thousand other things. Are they going to are they going to be able to spend you know the three four five months that it can take to work yourself out of a pickle that you put yourself in? Yeah, that sounds it sounds complicated. Like at first, it sounds like well, this is kind of easy. Like you've got this opportunity for additional revenue. You find a a vendor, supplier, whatever you want to call them, and they help you out with that. Right? That's that's pretty simple. I think people understand that, but it can be complex. And so, what's kind of one of the first things that you think of that? causes it to be so complex or maybe one of the first things that maybe a property management company needs to realize needs to be done to even start to manage these different contracts. The first thing is just to understand what you have in place, getting copies of the contracts and getting the basics of who the provider is, who your point of contact is, what the start date, what the end date of a contract is. If there's auto renewals in, in there, when do you have to send notices so the contracts don't auto renew? Is a revenue owed? When is it? How often is it paid? Those are kind of the basics. What What is the service covering? I mean, there are some providers, especially in the telecom market, you can have exclusive agreements, which means there's only one provider, or you can have non-exclusive agreements, which means you're allowed to have multiple providers of the same service, or there's actually some, it's just, hey, they just are on the property but there is no marketing whatsoever. And each one of those has a different level of what you can and can't do. And the complexities of making sure of, are you sharing coax wiring? Are you sharing wiring? Is it coming over Wi-Fi? Is it coming over satellite? How is it coming and how is it being delivered? And what are you offering or what are you granting each of these providers? Because if you've granted exclusive use of the wiring to a provider, you can't grant it to anybody else. And if you do, then you're in default and those can cause problems. So those type of things are what you need to understand and just basically getting an understanding of what you have on your property at each property and looking at it. And from there, you're able to see how many providers are you using? Can you create economies of scale? Can you kind of start finding the best ones that that work within your portfolio? And start seeing if you can shift more of your service, more of your contracts over to that provider over time to get better, better contracts, better terms, better conditions, maybe some additional side bennies. You know, are you going to get free service for the offices? Are you going to get free pizza parties for the residents? You know, what is it? What is it you're looking for? But also, what can you get out of it by doing this that's going to help the portfolio, help your residents and help your staff? Um but again, you can't do anything unless you know what you have in place. Yeah. And, and again, I think to me that makes sense, but you exist for a reason, right? Because it sounds like most are not having that level of organization. So when you start working with a company and you start asking these questions about, okay, what contracts do you have in place? What are the terms? Are you finding that people send you over a spreadsheet where they have it all organized, ready to go? Or is it a painful process where they realize they really don't know what they don't know. The famous words, it depends. (laughs) It depends on the client. Um, They're all in every client we pick up has a different way of doing things. 
there are some clients where they just send over here, here's the contracts that we know of. And it could be all of them. It could be a fraction of Recently picked up a client that said, here's all our contracts. They had like 30, 35 properties, and I got 16 contracts for telecom. There's something missing. So it's my responsibility then, or it's my job at that time, to go out and gather the information from the other to see what they actually do have. Um, you know, Or they send me, con- or I get contracts that are just not even executed. They're here. It was just like, here is a proposal. And they've been going off a proposal. So some will give me a detailed list. It says, here's all our contracts. Here's everything. Some will give me some contracts. Some will say, we don't know anything. Or here's what's in our share drive. So it varies. And my job, as I see it, is to take all of that and to fill in the blanks and to verify the information to make sure that what they have is accurate. And Sometimes it's as easy as okay. I know a per. I know my point of contact at X Y Z company. I can reach out to them and say, "Can you send me copies of these ex- of these contracts that I have not fully executed?" Um, and that's where it goes. A lot of time, there's also the issue of when a, so when a owner takes over a property, they don't get copies of all the contracts. They only get copies of a few of the contracts, or somehow. All those contracts don't get transferred over. So without somebody looking at that and staying on top of it, if the new owner does not deal with it, with the reach out to each of those each of those providers, if there's any revenue, the payments are going to continue to go to the old owner until somebody says, hey, guess what? We own this property. Please start sending the payments here. And so there's a lot of that that happens. Like there's so many, there's so many moving parts in a takeover of a property that sometimes those things get get lost. Yeah, and property managers have a lot going on. Owners have a lot going on. All of these people have a lot going on. So they're often focused on what I'm going to call kind of the bigger pieces of that revenue pie. They're looking at rent or they're focused on expenses and looking at utilities or taxes. They're Correct. trying to make sure all of the big pieces are taken care of. Well, there could be a, a good portion of revenue missing or some missed opportunities if they're not organized now, but let's, let's say they they get that worked out, right? So they're in a good place. They understand their contracts. They understand their terms. They're, they're well organized. What's kind of, I would say kind of like step two. So they're organized, but what do you need to be doing on a regular basis to make sure that you're getting the most out of these, uh, these contracts that you have in place? Um, Twofold. Um, One is constantly staying on top of that list. Uh, whether it be a database, whether it be an Excel spreadsheet, somebody needs to be looking at the contracts on a regular basis or have some sort of system in place to remind them, hey, you know, once a month, once a week, you know, once a quarter, look at the contracts, filter them, sort them however you need to, to see where the opportunities are. You know, contracts are constantly, not everybody has all their contracts expiring in the same day. So you need to know, or, hey, this contract, because you took it over, requires 180 days notice versus this one that requires 30 days notice. So to stay on top of it, that's somehow of a tickler reminder system to say, hey, you need to focus on these contracts. You need to focus on these contracts. That's one thing that you need to do is just have somebody, somebody or multiple people say, hey, let's just stay on top of them. Let's make sure we understand what's going on. Uh, two is make sure that your accounting staff is aware of any of these contracts. 
you know, that are revenue generating so that they have a system that says, okay, we should expect a payment every month or every quarter or whatever. Um, and through budgeting, your own budgeting, you can find out what that anticipated revenue should be. Um, the other thing is constantly staying in touch with the industry to find out, are there new services, are there new pro- products, are there new opportunities? Um, you know, you get somebody like, you know, a telecom, it's constantly changing. Um, is there an opportunity to bring on another service? You know, can you get revenue from marketing and promoting a streaming service provider like Apple TV or YouTube TV or so? That's, it may not be here today, but staying on top of it so that, you know, maybe three or four years from now, that may be an opportunity where you can work something out with a Comcast or a Verizon or whoever that says, hey, if residents subscribe to this, we would get some sort of revenue share or, you know, direct TV stream or whoever it may be, there may be an opportunity. So staying on top of things to see, are, is there a new play? Is a provider offering something new that wasn't there before? Um, that can help. I mean, there's laundries constantly changing as well, new technologies in laundry, new ways of paying. There's, you know, dry cleaning, drop off and pickup. Can you bring in dry cleaning, drop off and pickup? Can you generate revenue from that? Is that just an amenity? What can you do? And does it affect or does it have, do you have that ability to carve that out of your existing laundry agreement if you have a laundry agreement in place? So always looking at what's happening, what's in the industry, what's in other industries, the hotel industry, you know, is a good one. The short-term rental industry is a good one. What are they offering that you can then see? Can you bring that into your to rental man, property management and will it work? Yeah. And the idea of tracking to kind of start there, I think that is so important to make sure you're getting that revenue because once there is revenue, it is so much easier to allocate resources to make sure it's going right. <laughs> right. So if there's money there, you're going to say, Hey, I care about this money. I care about this revenue. It helps me have a successful business. So I need to maintain that. Um, but I, I really love where you're going with that. Like latter half of your thought there, as far as laundry doesn't seem sophisticated per se, right? It's been around for a long time, but you're saying there's advances ha- happening there. Things are changing. And I think yeah. our culture has changed a lot where I think a lot of residents are looking for more from yep. their community. They want more services. They, they want like dry cleaning is probably a great example or laundry services. I don't want to do my own laundry. I want to do a, a drop-off pickup. I want to do things like that where I want these amenity level or hospitality level experiences, are you starting to see that your clients are coming to you asking you about those types of services? Some are, yes. And there's more providers are also coming to saying, hey, laundry companies, some laundry companies are coming in saying, hey, you know, we know that the washer dryer laundry rooms are, we're not seeing that in new construction. Um, So, but we, and we see a lot of properties that are, putting in washers, dryers in their units. So how are we as a company going to find ways to stay in business? We need to diversify. And so they come up with, hey, we'll do, I like to call it fluff and fold. You know, you drop off, you drop off in a gig economy. You can have somebody, you drop off your stuff. Somebody comes, picks it up, washes it and brings it back a day or two later and you pay a fee. Um, so they're exploring those opportunities. Um okay, there's an opportunity. How do we both benefit from this by bringing that product onto, onto a community? Are residents 
you know, is the demographics of the property going to uh, accept this? Are they going to be able to afford and use it is another issue that you have to look at. Um, or do they want, you know, again, based on demographics and based on income levels, are they still wanting to stick with coin or are they going to, are they okay with sm- but the smart cards, which are kind of like your, you know, I think everybody knows what a smart card is, I hope, which is, you know, the little card, it has money on it, value on it. And it's like when you go to most uh, subway systems now use, you get a special card that you use. Um, but things have advanced to, okay, you can, you can pay by a credit and debit card at your right at the machine, or you can go to your, your phone and you can start machines with your phone now. Your, your phone will tell you when your laundry's done so you don't have to sit in the laundry room anymore. Uh, those type of advances are there now and people love it. And so, but again, based on the demographics, some may not be comfortable with that. So don't put that in if they're not going to be comfortable with it. Yeah. It's that reminder though, that you really have to a, know your resident, but also be thinking ahead of yep. what they want. Because I would think again, the right demographic would say, Hey, coin laundry is great for me. Where other ones are like, I don't carry cash. I definitely don't carry coins. I want to use my phone or I want the convenience of an in unit washer and dryer. I don't want to go down to the, to the laundry room, things like that. So you have to be working around those, those types of situations. And the other uh, technology that I kind of started thinking about is the package management world with Amazon deliveries and so forth. So how are your, how are your clients handling that? Because that to me looks like a very large expense like an amenity level decision, but are there ways to maybe drive some revenue or at least offset expenses there? There are, and it's a huge one and it's everybody's coming. There's 50 ways to slice it. And there's multiple companies that'll provide that service. Um, and each one is a varying level and varying costs. Um, there's ways to generate it. A lot of companies are adding it into what they call an admin, an administrative or an amenity fee, which includes more than just, package you know package management it's usually they usually do some sort of managed wi-fi or bulk internet service they may include uh some some sort of product like a print print with me where you have you know free printing services or something like that they kind of bundle it in to other amenities and services on a community um but pack and then they add some sort of mark additional markup to cover their cost plus and that's how they make revenue off of these programs but Again, at a certain point in time, your amenity fee, if you're going to add all these amenities at a certain point in time, your amenity fee may be as almost <laughs> like the condo fees in some places. It's almost as much as your, as much as your rent because you add in, okay, let's do, let's do laundry pickup. Let's do, you know, let's do package lockers. Let's do valet trash type of services. And you start adding all these fees in bulk internet and video and whatever. All of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah, you're, your your rent is a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars, but you're paying several hundred dollars for your your utilities, <laughs> your trash pickup, your pest maintenance, your et cetera. And it's like, oh my God, this is crazy. So you have to take that into consideration as well. But um, getting back to your regular question, you can make revenue off of those. It's just trying to find the right fit for you. Is it an actual package locker? Is it set times for delivery through a third party that comes and delivers? Is it your staff taking on that responsibility and saying, okay, we're going to charge on a per delivery basis. So you you have a third, you have an individual in-house that you've 
part-time employee that comes once a day or twice a day, goes to the package locker package room, and then goes out and delivers the packages into everybody's unit with a little note that says, hey, we were in here, you know, you're, we've added $3.50 or whatever, you know, for a delivery fee. There's There's so many different ways to skin the cat. And in a world where there's a recurring fee for a lot of things, or there's uh, the expectation of a tip for a lot of services, or we can find ourselves where we kind of feel like we're getting like nickel and dimed yeah. uh, to death in a lot of situations. And I don't think our industry wants that. However, residents are demanding higher levels of service in some, you know, in certain areas or certain um, types of properties. So it is that balance of like, how do you provide them with what they want? You know, when somebody wants service, there needs to be a cost to that service. And, and that balance is really tricky because I completely agree. I've heard of that where, yeah, there are a lot of fees attached to things. And all of a sudden you hit that tipping point where people say, okay, I've had enough. Right. And then you're kind of in a, you're kind of in a bad spot when you, when you get to that point. So yeah. managing that is really good. So it sounds like and evaluating what you want to offer is really, really critical. Yes. And some of that actually comes into trying to get some sort of resident surveys on a, on a fairly re- regular basis is critical or highly highly important because you can say here's the services that we can offer what would you would you be willing to pay x amount for these services uh to be as an amenity fee or included in with however you want to break it out what would you be willing to pay for these services so you can get a gauge from your residents where they are at because again just doing it haphazardly and saying hey we think this is a great idea and all of a sudden you add you know, you add $16, $17 for valet trash or $20 for valet trash. And everybody's like, I was just happy to walk down to the chute and drop it off myself. Uh, I'm not willing to pay this. You know, same thing with packages. You know, you're, you're going to always get those residents that are going to push back because they're like, I never order anything on the internet. I don't need a package locker. You know, same thing with bulk bulk internet. I don't need it. I use my Wi-Fi from my cell phone. I don't need it. And you're always going to get that. So you have to kind of find that level of, well, you know, sorry, sorry, you feel that way. You know, you're, you're just like insurance. You're going to, you're going to pay it whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know, you pay your car bill, you pay your, you pay your car insurance, you pay your car rent, you know, your, your, the loan on your car every month, whether your car sits in the garage or not. Yep. You know, no, it, it is really interesting. And I can see owners, property management companies, getting excited about some of these, especially if there's revenue tied to them and maybe getting a little ahead of themselves and offering things like you said that the residents may not want. So I I think that tip of like setting out that survey, like we, we could offer this. Are you interested? And if 80% of people get really excited about it, Hey, it's probably the right decision for your, for your residents. But if you kind of get the opposite, like only 20% are interested, you're probably going to upset a lot of people by, increasing the cost of living there and really hurting your, your long-term success. Unless the only other option is unless you're able to provide that service and it's a pay as you go service that those, only those residents get only those residents get charged for that service. And that's where, can you work that program out? Can you work a program out with a provider and receive some sort of marketing or referral fee or something to that on a per customer basis type of thing? which then you're not adding it to the rent and it's not a all or nothing. And that's where we spend a lot of our time as well, trying to find those 
those nuances is how can we put in a dog washing station where there's, you know, it'll cover the cost of the, you know, somehow you'll be able to recoup your cost of paying for the dog washing station, but you're going to generate some revenue and it's only affecting those residents that are using the dog washing station. Uh, that's a good example. And I also think of uh, electric vehicle charging stations. Yep. I think that's another popular one that's popping up. And, and I think in some ways, when I first heard about charging stations, I don't, I think some people thought that was just going to be like, oh, this is just like a free service. You just like pull up and you plug in and you're good. But that's not how this works, right? You need to pay for that just like you would pay for gas. So there has to be a way to monetize that and have those people pay for that service. And that's, I think, probably gaining popularity. It and, is. Yeah. It's it's all variations of it. And it's, you know, a lot of people are now trying to forecast or think, okay, you have a property in, let's say, I believe it's California. They're saying all new development will require 20% of the parking spaces to be EV charging. See, that's a lot of infrastructure. That's a lot of cost. That's a lot of, you know, everything. And at the same time, you have a, you know, you have a 350 units community <laughs> and you need to, it's like, oh my gosh, that's a huge dollar figure just there not only the cost, but the infrastructure and the, the amount of electricity that you're going to need. Mm -hmm. So that's one issue. The other issue is where do you place them? How are you going to, are you going to try to share spaces? How are you going to keep people from hogging a space after they finish charging? Um, we're, in my opinion, we're in a kind of a, I don't know. I don't know that we're an early adopter, early stage um, that I think it's only going to be a temporary issue personally. I mean, I keep hearing and reading about stuff that says, hey, you know, by 2026, 2028, even before 2030, cars will have 1,500, 2,000 mile ranges, you know, per charge. And charger, I think Toyota just came out that says they're going to have a car. They're, they're working on a battery that's going to do like 1,200 miles and charge in 10 minutes. So with the advances that are coming, I think this issue that everybody's freaking out about right now will slowly will diminish fairly quickly but how do you but you still have how do we address it today mm -hmm. and what's the best way to do it and again there's multiple different options there's multiple different variations um from everything from okay we're going to put in you know a charging station every so often we're going to put in only a couple or you know we're going to we're going to make sure people get moved after they you know, they only have a certain amount of time after they charge before they're going to start getting hit with penalties. But nobody wants to get up at like 3 a.m. to go move their car. Um, <laughs> or are you going to do it on a per, you know, we're only going to put it in designated spots and those residents will have to pay for that private charging, charging, you know, that's their, that's their private parking space. So there's all of those different avenues and there's companies that are offering it at 110, you know, Hey, you don't even have to, it's just an extension cord type of thing, you know, putting in 110. So you just plug in at night and it takes all night to charge it, but it's a lot easier and a lot, exp lot less expensive. So. Yeah, that's just such a good example of needing to know what's going on in the industry, needing to know what's going on in our world and working with, experts that kind of understand how it all fits together and how to manage that. Cause you don't want to overinvest and sell yourself short. You don't want to underinvest and not meet the needs of your residents. So it's, it's a very complicated 
world to live in. And again, at its surface, it seems like contract management would be simple, right? You sign a contract, you just know what it is, you track it, make sure you get paid and, and it's done. But I have to ask a question, like you work with a lot of different types of companies. Has a company ever come to you and you've done kind of like an evaluation or you've consulted to try to figure out like where they're at and you get to a point where you're like, you're good. You don't even need our services because you understand what's going on and you're really taking care of things. Or have you always found that there's something that this company can can benefit from, even if they have their contracts in order, they're maybe not tracking well, or maybe they're tracking well, but they're not evaluating future opportunities. I think I, I believe in my own heart that I always can provide value, but there are companies that I've said, you got you're, you're, you're good. You don't need me. I have said that to some companies that said, you know, they, they, they knew all their contracts. They knew everything. And I'm like, what are you talking to me for? You know, and again, when it comes to that, it's like, okay, I'm more than happy to talk to you and talk about future and talk about ideas and suggestions because the flow of information, you know, it's not always me. It's I gather information from multiple people and being able to have a good conversation with somebody else in the industry sometimes can spark a new idea that will put us all both in a different direction. So I always love talking to other people that do what I do, um, whether they work for other quote unquote consultants, which I don't like to call myself, um, but or people that work with actual property work inside a, a a property management company or a REIT or somebody like that, because they look at something completely differently than I do. And so that's always good to have that. It says, okay, let's think about this. How are you doing this? Well, what would you do if you did it this way? So that always helps me and I love doing that. And you know, by by Educating everybody, we raise the you know we raise the bar, which helps everybody. Um, is you know helps everybody in the industry is the way I look at it. Yeah, and and I think that's such a a fair and honest answer that you gave. So I appreciate that because it would be easy to say like no, everybody should call and talk to me because I I, I know everything and I can help everyone. But the reality is is there's a certain group of people that you can help the most, right? And there are certain people that don't necessarily need your services. And and so I, I appreciate your integrity to uh, answer honestly there because we all need to know who our target audience is and focus right. on making sure that we're providing the best service to those people. And I like to say, you know, I'd like to say I know I, I know I know enough, I know a lot and I know enough to be dangerous in a lot of areas, but I'm not the expert in in EV. I know a lot about EV, but I rely on others in the industry as well. I mean, I have to rely on providers because they're the ones that are educating me. So everybody that does this, it's on the job training all the time, every time, reading, reading, educating, going to conferences, going to trade shows, speaking to people, speaking to other industry experts is where you get your knowledge. And then you basically try to formulate that for your own self and for your clients to say, based on my information, based on my knowledge, this is this is what I think is the best solution for you. And this is the reason why. And that truly is the value that somebody like yourself and your company can provide. And, and so as we kind of like wrap up our conversation here, my thoughts go to, okay, what are, what are the kind of the next steps? Somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, we don't have our contracts in order, or maybe we do, or maybe we don't, but we don't know what we don't know. What are kind of the next steps? What should somebody do if they want to reach out to you and have that conversation or they want to try to get some of their ducks in a row before they talk to you. What what's kind of a natural next step for uh, for an operator? Um, gather as much as you know. Excel spreadsheets, you know, a folder, 
putting all your contracts, labeling, just so that you have some semblance of what you have is always very important. Um, reaching out to myself anytime. Um, are you are you putting out on what my email address is, or is that listed somewhere? It's asmith at asmadvantage.com or info at asmadvantage.com um, are the easiest ways to reach out to me. Um, and me or any with anybody within my organization will be able to from info will be able to track that and get back to you. Um, those are the that's the easiest way to reach out to us. Um, and we're always, you know, we're always happy to talk to people, whether they whether they think that they need our help or they they just want to talk and see if they feel if they are in line with what the industry is doing. Uh, again, I love going to conferences and walking out of a conference going, okay, I think I'm ahead of the curve or I'm in line with everybody else. It's not fun when I come out of a conference going, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm being the eight ball here. I better start educating myself on this on this avenue. Um, there's a lot of, you know, if it's not me, there's a lot of other great, uh, as I, consultants out there. I don't, I always hate that word consultant because I feel like I'm a part of a company. I don't like to consider, consider myself, hey, I negotiate a contract and I walk away. I'm with the provider. I'm with the client through the term of that contract, taking care of problems as they arise because no contract ever is. It's truly, you just sign it and you put it away. So there's always some touching and holding and, issues that come up. So I feel like I don't, I'm like, I'm an extension of a company. I'm an outsourced department as opposed to a consultant, but there's a lot of other companies out there that are, that do great job in this industry. Um, find what that you're comfortable with. You know, if you're looking for a provider, interview several of the, several companies like mine. Um, I always like to say we're, we think we're the best, but uh, there's a lot of great companies out there that do fantastic job. And some I you know, some may even do a better job than me based on what you're looking for. Um, my my service doesn't fit every company. And I understand that. And I'm happy to admit it when it doesn't work. Hey, we just look at things differently. There's enough. There's enough out there. The goal is to make everybody happy and to give people their time back, give companies, give management people, their staff, their time back to focus on things that are that, that are more in their wheelhouse or that more, may be more critical without losing um, an understanding of what's in place. Yeah. And I think that point is such a good one to end on because, uh, we work in an industry where people are working very, very hard. And if we can give some of their time back so they can focus on their properties, focus on their residents and use a company like ASM to manage those contracts and make those, uh, productive, for their business. I think that's what it's really all about. And to kind of answer your question, yeah, in the show notes, we'll include links and so forth so they can get in contact with your company. But I, I do recommend people that reach out, like you said, maybe go gather some information, reach out to Andrew's team. Uh, he has a lot of knowledge in this space. And again, he has the integrity to know when he's a good fit, when he's not a good fit and to have that conversation. I think that's so uh, so candid and so transparent. I think it's a good sign that he's ready to step up and help your company if it is a good fit. So uh, Andrew, I want to thank you for being with us today. Uh, this is an important part of our industry as we look at how to generate revenue. I think that's important. And how do we meet the needs of these residents? I think that's an important part as well. So I want to give you uh, one last Without opportunity. Without the residents, we're not thoughts? in business. <laughs> <laughs> We have to take care of them. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So let's take care of our residents and let's uh, get our contracts in order so we can focus on taking care of those uh, residents. Definitely. So 
Thanks again for joining us, Andrew. And thank thanks. you for having me. And look, uh, hey, if you ever want me back, I'm more than happy to spend some more time talking about this stuff. I can always go down a rabbit hole whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate your time and I appreciate our listeners uh, joining us for this one. I hope this really provided some good insight into why contract management is so important. And I'm sure there's people out there that are thinking right now, like I need to get this in order. So hopefully they reach out to Andrew's team. So thanks for the great conversation. And until next time, keep going beyond rent. Thanks for joining us for this episode of beyond rent. If you enjoyed this podcast, spread the word on social media and with your peers in the industry to be notified when more episodes are released, subscribe using your favorite podcast player. Beyond Rent is brought to you by Rent Manager Property Management Software. Learn more about Rent Manager's industry-leading software solutions at rentmanager.com. Until next time, keep going beyond rent. Beyond Rent.